So we come here to the second chapter of Exodus. If you'll remember from last week as we were looking at the first chapter, uh, things are tough for the Israelites. Things are tough for the family of Jacob that's grown now to be so large and to be uh, a large portion of the population in Egypt. And things are are difficult to the degree that as we read that opening verse, Pharaoh is trying to systematically uh, kill off their male offspring so as to protect Egypt from them rising up and joining with their enemies and overthrowing Egyptian rulers. And so now they're being beaten and there are taskmasters who are making them work harder and harder and harder. Uh, And so that's the context in which we find the story of Moses. I was thinking about that context and we talked about it some last week when things are difficult uh, and I know I saw this poster this week. I've seen it before multiple times, but it really struck me. So I saw the poster this week, and I was thinking about this particular text. And what, what do you want to be reminded of? What, are, what would encourage you if you're in the midst of, of hardship, of difficulty? What's something that could be an encouragement to you when life is tough, when you hit times of trouble? Well, there's this one poster, and I know you've seen it before. It's a picture of a kitten hanging onto a limb of a tree, and it says, hang in there, all right? I'm going to share something with you right now. I don't particularly care for cats. I don't actually particularly care for dogs or any animals. And about 70% of you don't particularly care for me now because of that, and I know that. And I came down a little hard in the first service against animals. I'm not against animals. I'm glad for you to have them. But don't expect to see them in my house, and I don't do dog sitting. But the point is this, when I see this poster of this kitten hanging there telling me to hang in there, it doesn't do much for me, right? That doesn't help me when things are tough. And even if you like cats and you think kittens are super cute, it doesn't really help you. I saw a couple other posters too. Uh, This was one of my favorites. It says, when everything feels like an uphill struggle, just think of the view from the top. I feel like giving that to every mother and saying, how does that make you feel, right? So after you spent all day with your children and they've got you at the breaking point and you've finally gotten them into bed, can you just see how beautiful it is? No. You want to go to sleep and you want to try and not fight with your husband because you know that might be just around the corner as well because you're at the breaking point. These little platitudes, here's my favorite one, all right? Favorite one. Hey, little fighter, soon things will be brighter. <laughs> Who is helped by this, right? This, this doesn't help anyone. Whenever you're in serious trouble and when things are hard, platitudes feel like platitudes. And you want to be reminded of something strong and something true and something that you can hold on to. You want to be reminded of what God is capable of doing and what he's promised to do. That's what you need to hear. And so the reminder for us as we look in these, this second chapter of Exodus this morning is this reminder that God is always at work in our lives. He is always at work doing something in us and through us as the followers of Jesus. We can, we can know that with certainty. But especially in moments when it's hard, there's a truth that's being driven home in this account of Moses, and that is that God is always protecting you. When you look at God in your life, God is always protecting you at every moment. And so we're going to look at this account of Moses 
And we're going to seek to understand how God was protecting Moses, but also what that means for the protection that he has for us. So looking at the first 15 verses here, I would just summarize the first 10 verses are this story that it's so well known where Moses is born and his mom hides him, but he gets to be too big and she can't hide him anymore. And if you remember, we've got Pharaoh saying, throw these kids in the Nile. And so she creates a basket and she actually puts her son into the Nile. And then miraculously, who happens to be there but Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket and she sees the child. And you, did it jump out at you as we were reading it? She looked at the child and not think, oh, it's a baby. She said, oh, it's one of the Hebrews' children. God put a tenderness and a compassion in the heart of Pharaoh's own daughter to save this child out of the river. And then as the story goes on, there's this girl who happens to be on the side of the river. Would you like me to find a Hebrew woman to help care for this baby? Yes, please do that. And who does she go and find but but Moses' own mother to care for him. And then Moses' mother gets paid to care for her own child. But then she does have to give the child back to Pharaoh's daughter. And he's adopted into that family and raised as Pharaoh's daughter's own son at that point. And then if you look at verses I think it's 12, let me see here what it is, it's uh, 11 through 15, we have Moses, and this is where Moses, he grows up now, and he's out, and he's, he knows that he's a, a, a counted amongst the Hebrews, he knows in some, to some degree his own story, and he sees one of his own people being brutally attacked by an Egyptian, and then on an impulse he kills the Egyptian, uh, but then that gets found out, and he has to run, and God saves, uh, God saves Moses from Pharaoh again. Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses when he was a baby, and then Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses when he was a young man, and God saved him both times, miraculously saves him. Now, one of the questions for us is, knowing Moses' story, that Moses' story is a picture of what God can do, he can miraculously protect people, one of the questions is, uh, can God still miraculously protect people? And the answer is yes. Yes, he can. Okay, well, does he? Does God still miraculously protect people? Yes, yes, he does. Okay, well, if he does, will God protect me the same way he's protected Moses here? And the answer is yes, he already is. But there's a, there's a, a step we need to take together, and that's we need to, to sort of hit pause. And what do you mean by protection? What is God doing when he's protecting someone? Oftentimes when we read a story like this one with Moses, we immediately think that, okay, God's protection means that he must protect me from temporal harm, from injury or from suffering, from hardship. But we know that that's that's not the case. God still allows those things to happen. So God's protection, his protection... may be. But I want you to think of it this way. When we talk about God protecting us, what we're really talking about is he is protecting us so that nothing can come at us or in us and thwart his plans or his will that he's working out in and through us. In other words, nothing can happen in us or to us that will thwart God's plans. That's the type of protection we have. When God's protecting Moses, he's making sure that Pharaoh cannot undermine God's plans and the way that he's going to use Moses in those plans. Another example would be Job, if you know the story of Job. This comes from the first chapter of Job. So Job uh, is this 
uh, follower of God's. He loves God. He's, God's blessed him with a, a family and with a, a lot of property. And Satan comes to God and has a conversation with him. And in that conversation, the Lord said to Satan, we're told in chapter 1, Behold, all that Job has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So God says to, to Job, everything that's Job's, you can take from him. But I'm protecting Job, you can't touch him. And if you know that story, you know that a little while later, God even says, okay, you can hurt Job physically, but you cannot kill him. So this protection exists. And you know what happens for Job is that when it's all said and done, and everything is taken from Job, his life is the, is the picture of utter hardship. His life is the picture of a man who would rather be dead than alive. And yet he continued in his life. And he comes to this understanding at the end of Job. In Job 42, he says, I know that you, Lord God, can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. He comes to an understanding that God is protecting Job for his own purposes, because of his own plan. So when we talk about God's protection, think of it as like a, a, it's like a, a force field. But it's not so much a force field around you or around your spouse or around your kids. It's a force field around what God is doing, around God's plans and his, his holy will, what he's going to accomplish. Nothing can unsettle that. Nothing can thwart that. And so when we say and we talk about Job or we talk about Moses or we talk about you or we talk about me, we experience the same type of protection. But Moses' protection, I want you to understand it's not about God saying, Moses, I don't want you to be killed. I don't want you to be harmed. I don't want you to experience hardship. It's about God's plan that Moses is a part of. When you get to the end of chapter 2, where it says here, if you'll turn with me to verses 23 and 24, it says, During those days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw, that the, people, saw the people of Israel, and God knew. That is why God protected Moses, because he was redeeming his people. Moses was among his people, yes, but the degree to which Moses experienced this temporal, this uh, safety from being killed by Pharaoh was for a much larger purpose. It served God's purposes for him to protect Moses in that way. There were countless other children that were not protected in the same way during this onslaught by Pharaoh, and yet God was still protecting them because he was still accomplishing his purposes. So when we think about the fact that God protects us, it is because he is making sure that nothing that Satan would desire to unsettle our relationship with our God can ever find its mark. Once we're his and he sets his affection on us, nothing can take it away. And so all that God's doing, that whole history of redemption, that whole plan of redemption that God is unfolding, that is a plan that Satan cannot undo. Nothing can undo it. I want you to look at some of the specifics of how this works itself out in Moses' life. In verses 1 through 10, 
what's happening is Moses is being attacked by Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't realize he's attacking Moses. He's just attacking all male babies. But Moses is a male baby. And God intends for Moses to serve as the leader who will bring his people out of slavery into the edge of the promised land. And so God will not let Pharaoh kill Moses. And so just in, in, in brief, what that means is God, he protects us from external threats. Things outside of us that want to separate and undo God's plan of redemption in us and through us, God protects us from those things. For Moses, God protected him from Pharaoh. For us, God protects us from all kinds of powers and pressures. We live a very uh, blessed life as followers of Jesus in in our country. We don't experience much in the way of political pressure and oppression. That's not true for a lot of our brothers and sisters around the globe. It's true for us for now. So we thank, we're thankful for that. It's evidence of God for his purposes and his plans. He's protecting us. He protects us from cultural, cultural pressures and powers that would seek to separate us from our loving relationship with our God. He protects us from family and community pressures that seek to separate us from God. Everything that's going on in our lives, no matter how big picture or how uh, immediate it is in your context, God is continuing to protect you in the midst of it. Nothing out there can come in and unsettle the relationship that he's established with you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now the tension we feel is, and the same thing, that the tension for the Israelites here, is that God allows, just like he did with Job, God allows for wickedness to be rampant. In other words, God allows what we need to be protected from, and then he protects us from it. But you know what we want God to do? Eliminate anything that we need to be protected from, and then we're all good. God, why don't you just eliminate everything? Why why did you let Pharaoh kill these baby boys if you had just not let Pharaoh do that? Well, then you would have saved Moses and all kinds of other other children. Why didn't you do that, God? And I'm going to share the answer that I know with you. And the answer is that I don't know. I don't know why that was God's plan. We do know what he shares with us, and that is that he intended for Egypt to experience his wrath and his judgment. And this was a means by which he was going to bring that about. But for us to fully comprehend what's going on in the mind of God is beyond our capabilities and always will be. We are finite, and he is infinite. It makes me think of uh, uh, something Tim Keller said at one point when he was talking about prayer. He says, God answers our prayers in the way we would want him to answer them if we knew what God knows. God always answers our prayers the way that we would want them answered if we knew what God knows. In other words, everything that's happening in this world is happening in such a way and is unfolding in such a way that if we knew what God knows, we would know how good it is. But we can't fully know what God knows, and so we have to trust him. Trust him that his plan is good. And that tension we feel when we know that God could do whatever he chooses and we try to figure out why is he choosing to do this? The question for us is not why, but will you trust him in the midst of that? Will you trust him? As we can see, and as we're going to see in Exodus, he's giving us evidence of why he's so trustworthy. 
Trust his plan. Nothing on the outside can come in and thwart that and destroy it. But also nothing on the inside either. We can see that if you look at verses 11 through 15. Here we have Moses, and Moses is essentially, here he's a, he's a, he's a grown up, he's grown up to be probably just a, a young man at this point. And it's interesting, we can see sort of uh, his personality and why he's a pretty good fit that God has selected to be the leader to free his people from slavery. Because here, as a younger man, he sees one of his people being uh, mistreated and, in, and impulsively he murders the perpetrator. Now, by doing so, by following that impulse and taking that action, he has now brought Pharaoh's attention and wrath back on himself. So in this scenario, Pharaoh is the instrument that's trying to kill Moses, but Moses is actually his own worst enemy here. Moses brought the attention back on himself. And so God not only protects us from what's out there, trying to unsettle our relationship with him, he also protects us from us. He protects us from us doing things that would theoretically thwart his plan, that would prevent him from accomplishing what he's set about to accomplish. He protects us from us. Moses needed protection from Moses, and I need protection from me, and you need protection from you. And what we see in this text is God saves Moses from himself. Now, I want you to understand God is... Yes, he's saving Moses from himself, and he's preventing Pharaoh from being able to kill Moses and thus thwart God's plans. But at the same time, it's not like Moses didn't experience the consequences of his actions. And we need to understand the difference. We, we do experience the consequences for our actions, but our actions never thwart God's will or his plan. His plan is still progressing even in the midst of our consequences. I mean, for, for Moses, yeah, Pharaoh wanted to kill him, and so now a consequence of his action is he had to leave everyone that he'd ever known. He had to leave his, his adoptive mother and his, his adoptive family. He had to leave his people group, who he obviously has a loving relationship with, who are being enslaved. He has to run and be completely relocated to a new place with no one that he knows. And so he ends up alone by a well in Midian. Those are consequences for his action. But that action, God saw to it that his actions would not undermine God's plan, the redemption of his people. And so God protects us from external threats, but he also protects us from us, from our own internal threats. Because our desires, our, essentially our desires and um, our impulses, usually they're driven by our idols, the things that we love most and, and are in conflict with God. And God will not let our idolatry separate our relationship from him, just like he won't let those who are idolaters outside of us separate us from our relationship with him. His plan of redemption is going to be fulfilled and nothing is going to thwart it. Nothing's going to stop it. Now for us, as we're thinking about this, if God is protecting us from whatever would attempt to thwart his plans or his will, the question that lies heavy on us is what is that plan? What is, what, what is God doing? What is this plan that has this force field around it that nothing can unsettle? And I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, a beautiful text from Ephesians. Paul writes this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That's God's plan. Before the foundations of the world, before the fall, God's plan was for his people to be reunited to him, for them to have a relationship once again with him as he designed them for. And everything works to that end, to have that relationship. When Paul talks about it, he talks about us being predestined for adoption to be part of God's family once again. And it was a plan for the fullness of time because everything was going to be united in Christ. Jesus was going to accomplish it all. And so it all leads to Jesus. And it all leads back to Jesus. That was God's plan. And so when Moses is in this basket and he's in the river, God protected Moses because Jesus was going to come and was going to be the Savior that every Israelite and every man and woman and child needs. The same thing is true for us. Whatever God is doing in us and through us and how he's protecting us, he's doing it because people need to know there is a God and he loves them and he's given everything for them. It's always about Jesus. And so whether we experience hardship or God prevents us from experiencing hardship, it's so that people will know Jesus, so that we'll know Jesus and so that others will know Jesus. That's the whole plan. It's been the plan from the very beginning. And I want you to understand when we think about Moses, what makes Moses special? Why does he get to be the one kid put in a basket that doesn't sink to the bottom of the Nile but gets found by a a princess who's able to protect him and save him? What's so special about him? Nothing. Nothing special about Moses. God chose to use him. God chose to use Moses. Because what God is doing, he uses men, women, and children in, in different ways in this plan that he's working out. But do you know where he's trying to get us? Do you know what he wants us to have and experience for all eternity? The same thing that he gave us in the garden. That's a simple life with God. Sometimes we see all the the big picture aspects of the plan of redemption. We think there must be something special about Moses or something special about David or something special about Peter or something special about Augustine or something special about Jonathan Edwards or something special about you fill in the blank. No, there's never anything special about them. God is using them for this magnificent plan so that every man, woman, and child that he sets his affection on can once again have a simple walking with God in the garden relationship, a close relationship with God. That's what he's designed us for, and that's what he has accomplished for us and has redeemed us for. And so whatever God is doing in your life today, he's doing it so that you will be able to be his child and walk with him in a simple God loving relationship for your entire existence that's the plan that's what he's accomplished for you and so whatever's going on with you whatever the nuances are of your context if you feel some of you might feel like a Moses you might be able to see God's doing amazing things I can't believe he's doing those things I don't want you to be offended that you're not special God loves you but it wasn't anything in you that made you the recipient of that kind of protection And some of you feel like, I've never experienced that kind of protection. And what's going on in my life, I feel like God's abandoned me, not that he's protecting me. And I want to remind you that God never abandons his children. That whatever is going on in you and through you 
is for the sake of the gospel in your own heart and the sake of the gospel for someone else. And whatever the pain and the suffering you're going through, it will make the gospel that much clearer to you and to someone else every time because God will never stop.